Hey, hey there, business owner. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Evolution Podcast. This is our weekly episode, and I'm so happy you are here. Let's get started. Hey there, entrepreneur. It's Annette Walter. I'm your host of the Entrepreneur Evolution Podcast. Welcome to this week's episode. This is actually the first entrepreneur interview that we have of the year. We started off the year last week talking about our Entrepreneur Express tip and our one word theme for the year. And I loved hearing all of your feedback about your one words, your motivation, your momentum, your assertiveness, your courage, your confidence, all of the fantastic words that you have going on. And today, I'm really happy that you're here to show up and keep evolving, and you're going to learn so much from today's guest. Today, we are joined by Dino Signore. He is the founder of the Signore Group and also an education manager at the Edward Lowe Foundation. Dino creates and facilitates business retreats for second-stage entrepreneurs And in his private practice, he serves as a facilitation coach for multiple EOS implementers. He is so knowledgeable. He works with entrepreneurs across the globe. And if you need direction, if you need support, if you want to learn something, if you want to know something, trust me, he knows it. His website is www.signoregroup.com, S-I-G-N-O-R-E group.com. And just take a listen. You're going to love this episode. And make sure that you are taking time to carve out personal development and leadership development for yourself and for your team. And this is a question that I get all of the time. Annette, where do I get help and support? What do I do? How do I do this? And what is the right resource for me to invest in? Okay. And what happens a lot of times is that entrepreneurs end up spending a lot of times on vendors and resources that really promise them a magic wand and it's not what they need at all. So if you carve out some time with me, send me an email, urock at ievolveconsulting.com. What I do is basically in a, in a breakthrough call is I will listen to you. I will hear what your challenge is and I'll make a suggestion. I'll point you in the right direction. Okay. I will tell you, this is what you need. Go this way. Or this is what you need. Go this way or, you know, whatever it is. So I, I, I study this stuff. I've taken a lot of these programs. I've coached a lot of coaches and facilitators and um, I live it, breathe it, and I see it. So um, use me. I'm here for you. That's what I'm here for. I am really proud of you, entrepreneur. Thank you for all the reviews. Make sure you leave a five-star rating and hit subscribe so that you are notified to every episode that drops. We drop an interview with another entrepreneur like yourself every Tuesday and an entrepreneur express tip every Friday. This is the place that you can evolve and feel surrounded. Keep going. I am so proud of you, entrepreneur. Hi, Dino. How are you? I'm good, Annette. How are you? I am so well. Thank you so much for being here with us today. I'm excited. I'm excited for you to be here. We are joined today by Dino Signore, and he is an entrepreneur education manager facilitator at the Edward Lowe Foundation, which we're going to hear more about, and also the president of the Signore Group Consulting. And you, 
my friend, are a wealth of knowledge in the entrepreneur space. And I know that today, what you share is going to be so beneficial for our audience, and they just are going to love every ounce of what we talk through. In fact, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> um, where do we start? Let's start with your backdrop. Give us the quick Cliff's Nose version of you and, um, and kind of catch us up to speed on, on Dino, the quick backdrop. How about that? Oh, okay. All right. Uh, uh, well, um, I think the short story would be that when um, I got, got out of school, you know, my first uh, experience in my professional career really was, was working with an entrepreneur. Uh, I, I was hired into a small firm and we grew that small company from about, I think it was almost at a million dollars a year uh, revenue up to about $15 million in revenue. So I got to work with an entrepreneur and little did I know that was going to really shape the way I looked at my career the rest of the way. Um, it was, I was in the home entertainment industry, so I worked in the music business for, uh, for 10 years or so. And then I went to work for a large uh, corporation, um, did that for about 10 years, and, and then uh, started thinking about uh, going for a master's degree. Uh, so I went for the master's degree program. Uh, thought I wanted to be a city manager, but that didn't work out. But it did get me involved in thinking about you know, economic development. Uh, that led me to teaching at a university. Uh, which then led me to working at uh, getting getting the, my position at the Everlo Foundation. Uh, that was almost 20 years ago now, um, where I knew they were looking for somebody who did uh, program uh, business development and program development, and and then I tend to fit that that spot. So and then being exposed to you know uh, the second stage entrepreneurs is really what I got uh, the biggest uh, experience around. And uh, so that's been you know 20 years of working as their their. Uh, their manager of entrepreneurial education. Uh, and so I get to facilitate all the retreats at the property that we have, uh, 30 or 40 each year. Uh, I see probably 300 business owners on average a year. Um, and then uh, started in 2010, um, began to pursue a PhD uh, in, in business psychology. Uh, so I, I think uh, like uh, obviously a business person would uh, almost at an MBA business level kind of thing, but I think like a psychologist. And, and that helped me as a facilitator uh, at the foundation. Uh, it, it has then also began to um, you know, start my own private practice uh, in addition, uh, mainly because the foundation is a nonprofit uh, operating foundation that uh, the IRS does not allow us to do direct consulting. Uh, mm -hmm. But I would be asked every once in a while, could you come in and, and, and do some work directly with an individual? And the foundation allowed me to do that. So because they, they couldn't. And so then it began, that began the practice a little bit before 2010, before I got the degree finished. Uh, but it's been something that I found, I found really fascinating. So I work in, mostly working with entrepreneurs, mostly working with those growth oriented entrepreneurs, how they grow their companies, what are the challenges they're facing uh, personally, um, professionally, you know, with their teams, you know, with strategy, with uh, just some, some, you know, performance coaching and all kinds of different things, whatever comes up that's mostly people related, you mm -hmm. know, and, and social psychology related, I tend to kind of fit into those categories, but a lot of facilitation work too, so. Absolutely, and the Edward Lowe is such a special, special place. I spent some time with you out there, I'd say probably about four years ago, uh, give or take a year, I don't know. I'm losing yeah. track here. Uh, right, and it's it's a magical place. It really is. Mm -hmm. Tell us um, a little bit about it. Tell the audience a little bit about it and the purpose and and the drop story behind that. Sure, sure. Uh, Edward Lowe uh, was the inventor of kitty litter, mm -hmm. and, and uh, he lived um, and and he worked in a, a, a proper piece of property that he owned uh, that he called Big Rock Valley, located in Southwest Michigan. He ended up. Uh, uh, 
owning about 2,500 acres of land in Southwest Michigan. So it's where he lived and where he worked and where his, uh, his offices were there for the uh, kitty litter business, the you know, litter business we call it. Uh, he also had Tidy Cat, it was two companies he had. So a very successful business owner uh, with those two companies. Uh, when he got older, he started thinking about what was gonna be his, his legacy you know, what was the significance of his life. And he loved being an entrepreneur. He really wanted other people to have that same opportunity that he did. Uh, so he created a foundation. Uh, this was about like, uh, well, he sold the business first. It was at 86, 87, that time frame. Started the foundation. Uh, and then and then he, he was still doing the work with it. He was championing, like all entrepreneurs were, were, were the idea. Anybody who said they were an entrepreneur, he really wanted to help. He wanted a place for people to, to come, you know, to, to, to learn from each other to learn about the challenges uh, that you'd have as an entrepreneur. Now, he passed away in 1995, uh, and then the foundation went through a couple of different things that they, they had to go through. But then about the year 2000, uh, that's when we kind of officially got our, our gift from him. Uh, and what he gave us was the property uh, that he owned, 2,500 acres of beautiful property in Southwest Michigan, and our conference center is there, and our offices are there. Uh, and he gave us an endowment to work on. Uh, we're an operating foundation, so he formed us as, a, as a, a foundation that does things. We have to do things. We don't give away money. We, we provide services and makes us very rare. But in 2000 or so, we started focusing in on what we call second stage entrepreneurs. And we coined that phrase and said, this is an important time frame, you know, uh, because second stagers, uh, probably for the first time, that, that, that uh, business owner is starting to create wealth uh, for themselves. That first time, it's a million dollars a year in revenue is that bottom entry point up to $50 million a year in revenue. So right then they start to see they're probably kind of getting out of that survival mode of first stage. Uh, then they, they also, uh, what we think is also just, just as important, maybe even more important is that this is where new jobs are created. Jobs are created from second stage companies. And, and you know, uh, it, we have evidence of it uh, over the last 20 years, we can show you where these jobs are created in almost every, sing, every city, state, MSA, second stages when they grow their companies they, they create jobs. So we work with a lot of organizations around the country um, that try to help their communities grow jobs, economic development of uh, people, professionals, business assistance professionals. Uh, and and we, if we, we pretty much have the conversations, you know, if, you, if your job is to help create jobs, we have an audience for you, you know, and so we tell them about second stage. So we we're exposing the uh, people around the United States to this concept of what second stagers are and the challenges they have. Now again, they're, they're great. They're great. They do a lot of wonderful things, but but they are also entering into a time frame that's very very challenging, and it's in those challenges that can cause failure, and and, and we don't want that to happen. So we talk. All of our programs are around how do you keep helping that company grow, and what do you do to help them grow. So we've designed programs, you know, that that our partners can begin to utilize, and we we love when that happens. Uh, whether they can in turn work with uh, the entrepreneur I, I re from a relationship with WPO women right. president organization started that way yeah. still is that way you know and, and and so we've been helping them with their facilitation who then in turn help those peer groups uh, that, that are out there on the country so that's, yeah. that's a short story yeah so that's a great story and and you have been in the Edward Lowe Foundation and the relationship with the WPO has just been so dynamic and so powerful and so productive from the ripple standpoint of how many entrepreneurs globally it really impacts. It's powerful. It's over 800 women business owners, all with that revenue between 2 million and above. And you really training their facilitators and it's just such solid work. You have to feel so juiced from the work you do. 
Oh yeah, I love it. I mean, we we've we've trained. I think every WPO chapter chair that is currently actually running a table. I think that I've met every single one of them and spent two or three days with them and just did a training just a couple of weeks ago virtually. So you know, we're still doing things virtually. But you know, year in and year out, we're seeing you know a two hundred to three hundred business owners who come out to the foundation and spend three days with us on a retreat program that we designed, you know, and we utilize peer learning. It's not like going to a lecture. It's not like, you know, sitting there, you know, listening to the professor talking on stage. It, we want them to talk with each other. And so we have designed everything around doing that. Uh, so it's really, really fascinating work. Uh, they're, to me, I, I, I love their optimism. I, I like the way they're wired. Uh, I think that we provide the kind of right kind of setting for them to have conversations that they probably haven't had before. Uh, and you know it's a beautiful piece of property. It's great. It's just really great. And and I like I like helping, you know, business owners uh, in particular. Uh, you know when they're when, when I see them growing and really are you know creating these great jobs. And 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 I think that that to me is our our good our our good cause. You know our mission at the foundation. That's great work. And as you're as you're uh, talking about the beauty of the foundation, the, the food flashed in front of my. Yeah my mind um the food was delicious there also, the also you you met chef jose most likely yeah yes, chef jose was amazing he oh is incredible we, we got so lucky with 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 jose because uh he was he was actually a trailing spouse you okay. know his, his his wife is a nurse and she got transferred to elkhart county he was from chicago oh. and she got transferred to elkhart general hospital just south of the foundation he came with her and just oh. kind of wandered in one day and, and was looking for a job we're like Hey, and so he got to, he's fantastic. And, you know, and just, it's a, it's a little, it's a little concerning sometimes for me because, you know, I mean, obviously I want to do a great job myself. I want people to remember me, you know, and their experience there, but I'm starting to see he gets more, you know, accolades than I do. And I go, okay, that's my oh, job. <laughs> no, it's great when he does. Fantastic. You are just as fantastic. We have to actually watch our, our calorie intake there for the whole year, but we, we can gain what we call our retreat 15, right. you know, which is if you eat every single time there, you're going to start gaining weight because of the uh, <laughs> I think that would be worth it. I think that would be worth it, my goodness. It's great. No, especially the desserts. Walk around desserts. retreat area and, and, and yeah. walk it, right? <laughs> you got to walk a lot. You got to exercise like that. The desserts are amazing, you know? Yeah, mm -hmm. so it's great. He's great. We love it. So, so talk to me. Let's talk about this year. Yeah. Do you think that any entrepreneur, based on all of the work that you've done, could have ever been prepared fully for the year that we just went through for 2020? I, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I, I really don't. I mean, I, I think that uh, I remember when this was happening. So we we've all been through recessions, you know. And, and unless you're really really young, I mean, you have maybe have it. I was thinking about my daughters; they're both in their 20s and. They really, for the first time professionally, are experiencing recession. Mm -hmm. But most people, you know, have been through a recession. We know how they come in, and we know how they go out, and we know pretty much how to survive it. And we went through a really big one, you know, in 2007, 2008. That long ago, you know. But but to think about a pandemic, I mean, that that nobody I know has gone through one, you know. And so so that was kind of shocking, you know. If if you if you are able to think strategically, though, you know, which I, I'm a big advocate for that entrepreneurs. To need to do that. Every business should think strategically. You 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 should be looking at stuff you know from the macro environment, and what it illustrated to me was that that, that the external environment and business that we're all everybody operates in can can be both you know beneficial and great opportunity, but can also be a threat. Mm -hmm. These threats can come at us you know from the external environment, and this one is one of those. Mm -hmm. And there isn't a lot you can do about it. I mean, it just that's what happens with the macro environment that that it doesn't feel like it's in our control. You know, and I think that's frustrated a lot of entrepreneurs when they felt like 
such great uncertainty with this and I really can't control it. So like, what do I do? And that's been the big questions that they've had to deal with. So my, my answer is no, it isn't. And people actually went through a period of denial for a while as well. I know I did, you know, I, 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 my wife was using the term pandemic, you know, month before I even admitted that there was possibly a pandemic, you know, and then I went, Oh, maybe this is a pandemic, you know, and, and I'd never seen it before. So no, I don't think they could have, um, in some, in most that I know of were able to adjust, you know, and, and to pivot. We call we, that was our favorite phrase in, in, right. in March, uh, right? In April, um, many did. Um, and, and then the, the, there was a recession that came along with it, right? Mm -hmm. And so that recession wasn't even though, it wasn't like any other recession where it was across every industry. It seemed to hit certain industries really, really hard, others not so much. There were certain entrepreneurs out there, businesses that were actually, that were actually growing through the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And so it, that was also a little weird, you know, but we are still in, you know, the public health crisis. We're still right. dealing with it. Uh, we've, no, we've learned a lot. Uh, you know, I think a lot of businesses I talked to have learned quite a bit about themselves and about their companies. Uh, but no, I don't think they could. But, but my favorite quote, there was a young man in Louisiana I talked to who, who said, when we were talking about the pandemic, he said, you know, this is what I've been, pre been preparing for for 10 years as mm. the leader. This is what I've been preparing for. Now, he didn't say that I've been preparing for a pandemic. But he said, this kind of challenge, this is why I've been working on myself and my leadership and my team and right. it's because of this reason. So if they were doing that, maybe they were okay. That's true, that's true. And you know, you always are as a leader preparing for that rainy day or you know that that rainy, rainy day is coming. In fact, I had a conversation yesterday with an entrepreneur and she was talking about, she's like, I just feel like everything, her business is doing very well right now. And she's like, I feel like I just am on the cusp of that wave mm -hmm. and I know that it's going to crash. And I was like, well, how can we get you through that kind of psychology? And I want to ask you about this of, <laughs> of feeling like it's not going to be another downward cycle that maybe you can just plateau and that wave can kind of crest as long as it can. Right, you know? right. Yeah. So, so do you see that with entrepreneurs a lot that they, 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 they not only prepare themselves for that rainy day, but is there a way to get them around um, feeling okay with the high of things being good? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, it's an interesting thing when, when it comes out of behavioral economics and it's, it's always been around is that for some reason, um, and research shows that when, when we're in a, a recessionary time, for some reason, people cannot recall when it was good. And then when it's also really good, we seem to can't recall when it was bad. <laughs> so our memories are sort of, sort of short term when it comes to those kind of things, you know. And so everybody's going to be in different places at different times here, you know. But, but they, they, um, that, that slow realization back in February, March that this is going to be bad uh, and, and how do I prepare for that? It, it, we entered into crisis time. You know, it was, it's a crisis the way I look at it. And I, I started talking a lot at that time about, with, even within our own team at the foundation, but also when I started working with, you know, the business owners, uh, we did a lot of uh, outreach during that time frame, like a lot of people did. Um, we, we, we developed a program that was really called Leading Through Challenging Times, and it was really focused on the psychology of things and how to actually manage a crisis. Mm -hmm. You know, and I started with this idea that a crisis, by definition, is an intersection between danger and opportunity. All right. And so you just get your head wrapped around that. Like, okay, it is, this is what it can be. I can, I can see an opportunity here, but I can also see danger. Now there, it's still there. We're still in that crisis, but there are things you can do to sort of mitigate the psychological, you know, of, of pain that goes on when it, when there is a crisis. 
So, mm-hmm. it, and it's again, a lot of people did okay. Some people really needed more help. Some some business owners just ended up, it, it's gonna really maybe be a, a, a bad ending for them, you know, as far as this right. recession goes. So I, it's, a, it's, it's a crisis that we were in and we have to lead through that. That's right. Could you identify different categories of entrepreneurs as you, as you saw all this unfolding mm-hmm. uh, based on their mindset? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mindset for sure. I mean, obviously, you can easily look at different industries, you know, and that's the obvious one, you know, okay, so if you're in the, uh, the hotel, you know, entertainment industry, it was a tough, tough year, okay, right. if you're in, 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 say, promotions and marketing or event planning, tough, tough year, you right. know, that, that was easy to see. Not every industry was affected the same way, some were better. Mindset wise, um, I think there's a lot of emotional intelligence that goes into this too, sure. Uh, I think if I boiled it down to, there are people who have what's referred to as a fixed uh, a mindset and a, or a growth mindset, mm-hmm. right? Now, most entrepreneurs, I believe, have a growth mindset and that means that they're curious and they, and they, they are uh, open-minded to, to change, okay? Fixed mindset individuals, unfortunately, have a harder time when change comes along. They're, they're, they, they, they tend to feel like, they're either they're stuck or they're 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 limited or or they know everything they already need to know, and and they can struggle if they're in that place. Uh, entrepreneurs, that in my experience, are are mostly growth mindset, so they're almost always looking for opportunities, and they're almost they're very curious. Uh, this was maybe the part that was shocking for them. It's like there's this danger there, and they had to realize, oh yeah yeah, it's, it could be bad. Uh, but fundamentally, I think those two mindsets really matter when it comes to something that's that's changing on us. Mm-hmm. When the environment changes, can you adjust to it? If you are not able to adapt, you're going to struggle. You know, you're, you're, these kind of things come along and can and can take a company down and take them out. I mean, and, and so yeah, if you're not able to make those adjustments, how you you know how you treat your market, you know how you how you treat your employees, uh, you know uh, you can't make that adjustment, you're going to struggle. So Absolutely. yeah, growth mindset, fixed mindset would be my quick my answer at the beginning. Absolutely. So what's your biggest takeaway this year? Well, uh, having having ability to to be flexible, you know, have an ability to to uh, to work um, to maybe give to my network a different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a I'm a um, I'm a believer in and uh, well, I I do a little bit of uh, reading in the area of network uh, theory, network science. Mm-hmm. And, and there's some parts of network science that I think are kind of interesting. And I, and I tried to practice it this year okay. when um, this is concept called uh, strong ties and weak ties. Okay. And, 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 it, and what it means is basically that, that we have really strong ties that we develop as human beings in our networks, uh, people that you know really, really well. Okay. And so like your family and your close friends and, uh, and if it was in a company, your employees, you know, but if you, if you have a crisis, you have something that comes along and it changes, let's say you're looking for uh, some new business or you're looking for a new job or something. Well, your strong ties are important support groups, right? But they don't, they tend to know the same people, you know, right? Right. And so, so uh, if I went, if I was looking for something like a, a, a new opportunity, a business opportunity, I went to my brother, well, he would know the same people I know. And so we're, we're, it's a, network's pretty tight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I reach out to somebody that, that I really don't know all that well, that they're, they're called weak ties. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, you and I would be considered a weak tie. Well, we met each other a couple of years ago. And now here we are talking the last couple of weeks, you know, getting right. doing this. So getting to know you, I mean, okay, but we're, 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 we're in our network. Okay. So right. you know, people that I don't know, mm-hmm. I know people that you don't know. 
And so this is why things like LinkedIn really works very well because that's what that ends up being. Right? So, so when you want to increase your, 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 your business, when you want to increase uh, you know, your opportunities, you build out your, your weak tie network. Now the trick is that you don't ask your weak tie network for anything. You don't ask them for things. You give them things. You do things for them, mm-hmm. right? And, and then the, the, the behavioral economics uh, concept of reciprocity comes into play mm-hmm. that, that we tend to see that when we give up things, people tend to give us back. And that's not the intention, but that's what typically happens. Right. So, so what I did, you know, was, in, you know, and I think even at the foundation, we did this, I did this at the foundation and in my private practice was I, 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 I reached out to a lot of people that I really hadn't I hadn't spoke to in a while. I didn't know that very well. And I offered them certain services or conversations or even information that I thought would be helpful to them, you know, Mm -hmm. without expecting anything back, just did it, just did it and and, and didn't expect anything. Um, And and I learned that that was something that they found extremely valuable. They said, you know, this is, I'm going to remember this, that you did that, you know, and, and, you know, when things get better, I'll just, okay, fine, you know, uh, or they immediately started, you know, working with me. And so working your, your weak tie network, building that out became something that was a big learning for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think, you know, and, and uh, certainly coaching a lot of people through that same kind of idea, mm-hmm. but also learning how to manage my own emotional responses to things. Okay. Tell me there's, more a, lot of, there's a lot of uncertainty out there, you know, What's your first trigger emotion, like when you feel emotion? Do you have a certain one that you go to, whether it's fear, doubt, curiosity? Yeah, I, I think, you know, what I've learned about myself, I've, I've taken lots of personality assessments over the time, you know, and you go through, you know, a program that's what you get to do, you know, and so, right. you know, <laughs> and I've, I've learned that my superpower is rumination. That's my superpower, you know, and so I can, I can worry with the best of them, you know, uh, right. and, and I have to mitigate that. So I, I have to find myself worrying about things and it's, it's just, it's one of the spectrums, you know, of, of, uh, of the big five personality characteristics. It's, and, and, and I have to notice that when I'm doing it, I have to say, oh, wait, that's, that's my thinking and that's what I'm doing. I, I have to kind of put that aside, compartmentalize it and, and then move on. Mm-hmm. So we have to understand ourselves, you know, and we have to understand our triggers mm-hmm. you know, because uncertainty right now, uh, what happens to us biologically is that our brains don't like uncertainty Okay, it registers as an error in our brain, and and then our, our we try to correct that error. Now, during that correction time frame, we're actually uh, stimulating our, our limbic system is getting hyperactivated. Okay, because it, that's an unconscious worry or fear or whatever we call it fear, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it releases cortisol into our system or adrenaline. Okay, and and it's that that neurochemical that's the one that wakes you up at three o'clock in the morning. You know with that deep uncertainty of fear or whatever we wanna call it, it's anxiety and fear. And cortisol stays in your system for a long time. So I have to manage my cortisol, you know, but I think all of us are trying to manage our cortisol right now. And, and, and it's, it's pretty pervasive because the world has got such uncertainty on it. And humans don't like uncertainty. We like to know tomorrow's gonna to be like it was, you know, a year ago or right. next year's gonna be like it's gonna be, you know, before. So we prefer things to be the same. Right, That Absolutely. makes sense. And so it's the different stages of the uncertainty, like right now. And I feel like everyone has kind of weathered this year and different months so differently. Like it's almost hit people. Like you were saying, it hit your wife a little bit before it hit you. And then it kind of hit you and she was kind of through it, which is humanly, I think how we get and pull each other through it. Yep. 
Uh, and, but you know, the different stages, like right now it's like, okay, in Baltimore, where I am, we're getting ready to go into winter. So that means less outdoor activities. And, you know, I have young kids that are in school. So what does that look like? And those types of questions. And, you know, will, will everything be open in January and February? Who knows? We don't know. That's but, uncertainty. Um, that's uncertainty and there's different stages of it. So yeah. what are some coping mechanisms that, that you advise for entrepreneurs? Are there well, any that? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think there are. I mean, <laughs> the first thing is to realize that you really cannot control the external environment. Okay, that, that's the first thing I, I tend to go to. All right, so it's on, and it's on everything. It's 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 not just the pandemic. I mean, it's it's like a, when there is a recession. You know, you can't. No matter much as I want it to go away, I I can't make a recession go away. You know, as much as some some cultural things may happen that I think are good or bad, I I can't make it go away. It's 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 the external environment is very powerful. And we're and we as as a as a species are, are adapting to the external environment. That's what I believe is what we're doing all the time. So knowing that I can't control, I can only adapt to it. I can only adjust to it. Is what I'm after. So coping mechanisms. There's a there's one that I did beginning in in March, and I was really advocating to a lot of my clients and people I talked to who were who maybe were struggling, was that that we have to remember there are certain things that you can control and there's certain things you cannot control. Okay, and so so th that's that's when it gets blurry when we start to think we can control things that we can't, right? That's when it gets frustrating and you get you know you get you get mad, angry, depressed, whatever can happen to the individuals when they're doing that. So there's an activity I call I call build a fence, and it's part of crisis management. And so it's it's recognizing and actually um, what I did was I took a blank piece of paper and I made one list of here's all the things that I can control and I wrote it all down. This, these are things I had to put it on paper. It's like to write it down, write it down. Here are the things I control. And I wrote another piece of paper and I wrote down, here are the things I can't control, okay? And it doesn't mean I'm gonna ignore it. You know, I mean, I, on that list I can't control was, well, I, uh, I, I think it'd be great if there was a, a, a vaccine. Now this is back in March. Well, right. yeah, it'd be great, but I'm not a biologist. I'm not gonna be able to make a vaccine. So it doesn't do me any good to be thinking about that. Uh, I want, you know, I want the, the economy to return to where it was. Well, it, again, I can't do anything about that. But when I looked at my list of what I can control on that list was things like I can control, you know, what I'm, my diet, I can control how much news I take in. Okay. I can control, you know, how much exercise I get. <clears throat> These I can do. Right. And, and, and it's just build a fence. Don't spend any energy over that other one because you really, there's nothing you can do about it. You're just going to have to let that ride. A little bit. I, not that I say bury your head and not pay. No, no, no. You still got to pay attention to it. But but I don't want to put a lot of effort in it. I think that I said, well, teams do the same thing. The teams that sat down and said, look, at here are the things that we can do as a company mm -hmm. right now in the short term are the ones that probably manage through it. Mm -hmm. Our time horizons had to get a lot shorter. You know, we had to think, well, you're not talking a five year plan anymore. Maybe you're talking about, you know, what are you doing next week? Mm -hmm. And I think good leaders did that with their teams. They said, here's what we're doing right now. You know, mm -hmm. here's what we're doing this week. We can control this. Okay, do this. It will be okay. Right. Uh, and it was the phrase that I, I loved hearing people said, I reserve the right to be a lot smarter two weeks from now. Right. <laughs> you know, so, exactly. When your kids go back in January, it'll be January. That's two months from now. We don't know. We, we don't, don't know yet what it'll be like, you know? We don't. But all I know is that we can have the most fun in this household with the Christmas holiday. And right. that's all that we can control is just making them smile as much as we can right now and yep. and uh, do the best that we can for them as parents, right? <laughs> well, yeah. And, we, and I've watched a lot of companies really uh, begin to have these light bulbs go off about how they view virtual workers. 
you know? And for the okay. first time, like, oh my gosh, you can actually do this. Some, some are already doing it. Some were kind of forced into this now. Now they're realizing this was actually pretty good. Our employees are actually very productive when they're virtually working and they're not traveling in their car for an hour to work, you know, and there's a lot that is going to come out of that. Yeah. I'm not sure. I, I think there'll be a lot of people who won't go back to working in an office, you know, yeah. that'll be like, still can work home, you know. So. I agree. And we went through this exercise actually in our WPO meeting uh, uh, last, last month and um, one of the members had said, you know, it was, what are you taking with you and what are you leaving behind was the question. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that one of the members had said that we really fast forwarded through five to seven years worth of stuff that needed to happen and realizations that were really apparent to some people, like to some people who had already been on Zoom, to some people that had worked from home, to some of the, a lot of the people that had gone through that. And it got like the rest of the majority there. So it was a gift, you know, that we had all of these different things that we have learned this year. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, that, that's a big thing to think about. What am I learning during this time frame? Uh -huh. You know, that's a question I ask a lot of uh, peer groups that I'm facilitating or working with anybody. Well, what did you step back? What have you actually learned? What, what did you learn that you probably should have known before you got into this situation? Now you look back at it, like, oh, you know, these things here, you know, even at the foundation and well, we, we've, we've launched, you know, three new programs this year. That's great. Tell me about them. Yeah. Yeah. We, we launched, uh, we had been talking about doing, uh, uh, Virtual, we've been, well, we have a program uh, much like WPO. We have the Perspectives Roundtable program, you know, and, and, and it's done okay around the, around the country. We decided that that at the, you know, we could do this virtually, you know, and, and so we had been playing around with the idea before. We, I had sampled a few people and we did a few of them, you know, but we made it into a full-fledged program with our partners. We call it our COVID tables and we asked them, can they, can they put together you know, uh, roundtables for a three-month period, and, and our, our partners in Louisiana, Florida, and Michigan all did. Wow. We saw probably, I, I facilitated 300 people over a three-month period doing okay. virtual tables, and, and the results were really strong, and, and it told us, you can actually do this. You know, th this is a new program that we can offer of how to facilitate it, how to do it. They, yeah. The business owners loved it because they were like across the whole state of Louisiana. They'd have to drive to one place. They were just working from home, you know, living, working in their office and jumping on a call. That was a big one. Um, then we, we, uh, we obviously did our, we took our programs, our leadership programs virtually, which we, these were three day retreat programs. And we said, well, can we take this virtually? And the answer was, yeah. So we've run programs uh, that were shorter in duration, but all done virtually. And, and uh, they've been well attended. We probably saw more people through our virtual retreats than we have in our regular retreats this, year, this year. So, you know, that was kind of exciting. Um, we launched our mentoring program, a mentorship program this year, which was, was really fascinating. We've been, we've been wanting to do this for some period of time, but finally with the technology, it would actually enable us to do it. So we match up experienced entrepreneurs with slightly less experienced entrepreneurs yeah. and created a mentoring program. So we trained the mentor how to do that and, uh -huh. the, and, and the mentee as well. And those have launched in three different states as well. So yeah, we adjusted, you know, and now we learned, well, there's, and, and, and I think that for a while there was a struggle between people thinking that, well, well, we're, we're not going to do things on, on the property anymore. I was like, no, that's not it at all. We will, we'll go back to the property as soon as we can when it's safe. We're going to, but we're not going to give up the virtual things though, either when we do that, we're going to do both. We have new right. product lines. Well, and you were able to impact more people. Okay. And right. that's really what it's about when you can reach more people and serve more people 
and help more people. The mentoring program sounds phenomenal. And, uh, you know, I already know the power of uh, the groups that you run just because they're so amazing. Yeah, yeah. So I think you know, every company that is, is surviving and thriving and, and, and changing and pivoting, they're learning a lot about themselves and about their people. Uh, one, one thing I kept hearing people say was, boy, I, my A players, they're showing up. I know who they are now. Mm -hmm. I know who my A players are. And then conversely, I know who my C players are. <laughs> right. right. And now, now you are seeing actually people take some action on that. Yep. Yep. Make decisions, some hard decisions, yep. or, or the decisions are so apparent that they're ready they're for apparent. this. Yeah, yeah that's right. So what kind of books are you reading these days? Oh, gosh. Or listening um, to, or do you listen or do you read? <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I mostly read. I mean, I, I, mean, I read articles and uh, I read, you know, books. Uh, I may see, uh, I'm reading uh, Gary Hamill's book, his new one called Humanocracy. Okay. Uh, human, I, I've been a Gary Hamill fan for years, and uh, he, uh, this book is about... Uh, the uh, the dangers of becoming too bureaucratic, hmm. you know, and that bureaucracy is a sign of of, of age of an, a company, of, of a little too maturity, right? And and, he, and hmm. he talks about how do you build in uh, that that startup culture? How do you how do you don't don't forget the startup culture that you might have had when you started your company? I think that's really fascinating, you know, to kind of think about. Oh yeah, there's things in our DNA that we have as as second stage companies that they're putting systems in place. They're starting to kind of lock things down. Well, don't let that go too far, you know, without losing your entrepreneurial spirit. Absolutely. And so that's what he's comparing. That's, that's kind of fascinating. Uh, you know, to, very to, fascinating. In fact, you just um, made me recall a quote someone said the other day, and they said, Annette, I feel like I'm a 20-year-old 20 20 -year startup again, because right. they have everything that they had just witnessed through the pandemic, you know, great, we were a 20-year-old company, and that all worked then, but now it feels like a startup, better. right? Let's part of it. We're kind of starting over again. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's just a good, it's a good reminder, you know. Um, really uh, but, yeah, you don't want to forget that. I mean, bureaucracy can creep into every company and, and it can really begin to uh, trap you, you know, over a period of time. You're not very flexible. And if we look at anything, like I said earlier, this idea of being flexible and adaptable really was critical this yeah. year. You know, and if you're too bureaucratic, you're not going to adjust very easily. It, mm -hmm. it, it's uh, it's going to work against you. Um, I'm also reading uh, a book um, called uh, Leadership as Language. And it's about, again, the guy's name is Marquette, I think. And it's about how to ask really good questions from a leadership perspective. That's been pretty fascinating. He's got a list of the seven deadly sins to, uh, of questions. Seven oh, deadly gosh. sins of inquiry. You know, it's like, oh, okay. Oh, you know, I ask the wrong questions. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds like something I need to pick up. My goodness. You know, I dusted off a couple books. Uh, I dusted off the uh, Simon Sinek, uh, Leaders Eat Last. And yeah. Uh, yeah. I think you're a Susan Scott fan. I am. Um, I dusted off uh, uh, Fierce Leadership. Okay, okay. That's, that's the second book uh, after Fierce Conversations. Okay. You know, it's, it's, I, I just, um, I knew that there was a couple books that I just wanted to go back to and kind of just check in on. So that's good. Mm -hmm. But I'll have that's to check good. out that second one you mentioned. I like the idea of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so what do you think about 2021? How are you feeling going into the year? Um, a, a degree of optimism, uh, I, I, but realism, you know, that I, I don't want to get too impatient okay. you know, uh, and, and, and let the guard down a little bit, you know, as so I think that that could be, I mean, health wise, it's not safe at this point still for us. Uh -huh. um, and, and maybe, you know, again, I, 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 I'm a little bit older, you know, age group. And so I have to be somewhat careful just personally, but 
Mm-hmm. I think business-wise, I think it's going to be okay. Um, I think I've been saying all along that well, what we need to have is the is the vaccine, you know, and and that that should uh, help us. And, and I think that we'll see the results of that during quarter one, where that that we're starting to see hopefully a turn down of the of the terrible numbers track that we're on. Right. Uh, probably by the time we get to summer, uh, hopefully most Americans have been vaccinated. Uh, and most people in the world, I should say, the vaccinating, it should begin to slow that off. I mean, we're already thinking that probably back to doing uh, on-ground retreats in the summer at the foundation, that would have been about a year and a half, which would have been about the time that we sort of projected it. So uh, unless there's some catastrophic thing, you know, with the vaccination that, you know, oh, hey, it wasn't really healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that that should be, um, you know, decent. Um, I think we'll see a bounce, you know, uh, at, at that point. So economically, I'm mm-hmm. not an economist, but I play one on TV. No, right. I, I, I just think that, that I, it just seems natural that, that after we get through something like this, it'll, it'll jump back up. Uh, it seems natural that once there is a, a shift in uh, administration at the federal level, typically kind of goes hand in hand. So yeah, I think I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic at this point that I, I'm hearing positive things from the business owners. I mean, I try to gauge what they're talking about. What are they right. thinking? Well, you know, and I'm hearing that that's the same kind of thing for many of them. Like, get the vaccine going, and then we probably will see a bounce. But right now, it's 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 difficult for a lot of leaders right now. It's, I work with a lot of nonprofits as well. Really, very hard, very very difficult right now, just getting through their people and keeping people safe and keeping their clients safe and that kind of thing. So we're still we're still kind of in that crisis mode still, but hopefully soon out of it. Absolutely. Well, and it's that endurance. It's that endurance of, okay, you know, I had my armor on, I, I weathered that storm, you know, March and April hit. And I think, I mean, I don't know, I feel this personally and with a lot of my clients, um, I feel like we hustled harder than and differently than we really ever had ever. Yep, yep. And, uh, and now it's like, okay, you're still flexing that muscle. And now, you know, you realize that there's another muscle underneath that needs to, to get stronger and stay stronger to support that other muscle, right? It's that... Yep endurance to keep on keeping on and, and, and wake up and find it and, and continue to feel invigorated. So what keeps you going? Yeah, I, well, I think I was going to add to that comment that there's sometimes there's a tendency of people who want to have things go back to normal too quickly. And right. I think we'd be careful with that because we, we all want that, but we don't mm-hmm. want to, can't make it happen too fast. Yeah. It's going to have to take its time. Um, what keeps me going? Was that your question? Um, I guess just you know, uh, you know, new opportunities, you know, uh, a new new potential business. Uh, I like meeting new people. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to getting back into you know being in a room with people. You know, <laughs> crowds. I like. I'm a, I'm a, a kind of a natural extrovert, so I like I like groups of people, um, and I really have missed that. You know, uh, mm-hmm. and, and I, I think we've done pretty good with technology, but I'm looking forward to you know facilitating back in a room full of people where I can actually see them and. Mm-hmm. and we can watch body language and we can, you know, communicate in a whole different way. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. Um, what keeps me going is obviously hopefully keeping everybody I know, you know, safe and, and healthy too. So, That's great. Yeah. That's great. So what's on the, what's on the horizon for you, Dino? Any, any big visions, big dreams in, on the realm for you? Um, well, I don't know. I think I, I probably have got, you know, I, I can see my time at the foundation over in the next 10 years, probably beginning to wind down a little bit. Mm-hmm. So we're talking a succession plan at this point right now, how that's going to transition. What, what is my role going to be even after I, I decide, you know, at some point uh, that after maybe 30 years, I, I could be thinking about, you know, the big R word, which I don't 
I don't like to think about it all too much anyway, <laughs> you know, but my management team tends to want me to think about it. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think that that could be something I'm just considering. What's my, what's my next, uh, you know, phase. Um, I, I, I'm interested in creating new uh, modules, new learning things. That's, that's what I'd really like doing. Uh, so I've got some things I'm kind of working on right now around conflict management uh, and, and, and other, uh, other parts of, of facilitation. I do a lot of my practice right now is on uh, uh, working with consultants uh, and helping them be better consultants. And, and uh, I've been doing that work with a lot of EOS uh, implementers uh, and other people that are uh, out there trying to help you know, business owners. Uh, so I see that being a big part of my practice going forward and that, that growing, even as I, t I tend to, to, to slow off a little bit at the foundation, you know, uh, in about 10 years, it's <laughs> my mm -hmm. projection, uh, but doing more of that, you know, uh, I, I, I like the work I get to do, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's great. It's great work. It's, uh, it's definitely uh, something I, yeah, I can, I use my brain in mm -hmm. and, and I, it's not like I'm roofing houses kind of thing, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm able to do it hopefully a long time. So, uh, yeah, I just, I, I want to, again, I want to get back to uh, being with people again, but I like, I like writing. I like creating new programs and trying them out. That's what keeps me going. Well, you are so good at it too. You are such a wealth of knowledge. I feel like it's, it's like you're at like this encyclopedia for entrepreneurship and for, for business wisdom. And it's just, I always have such a great conversation with you. You are always very kind and curious and optimistic, and I really admire that about you. Oh well, thank you very much. I mean, yeah, it's uh, I'm 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 extremely fortunate to be able to work, do the work I get to do. And I remind myself of that all the time that that it's a privilege and an honor to be able to work with these business owners, you know, and that they allow us in, they allow us to talk, and they 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 they're you know there there's many of them are curious and are open, and that that matches up, you know, with me. And so it's it's an e it seems easy to me, you know. And so yeah, you're so good at it. So how can we? How can the audience help you? How can we reach you? How can any asks for the audience or the universe? Well, you know, certainly if they want to, you know, follow me on LinkedIn, that's a, that's a great place to be. I I, I do the, the the Twitter thing, uh, but LinkedIn is where I spend a lot of my time. So certainly you can join me there. Um, you know, if they want to reach out to to go more one to one, if they're a consultant out there, they want to learn more about my um, my facilitation training program. Uh, it's called the Exceptional Facilitator, and I've got several uh, clients in that program right now. Certainly, you can reach me in my email. Um, that'd be fine. Uh, anybody who is a second stager wants to know more about the Everlow Foundation, certainly happy to point them in the right direction there. Or if they want to work, you know, directly with me and on things like strategy, uh, or, or personnel challenges they might be having, or even just for them. Uh, I like working with the CEO. I like working with the second stage entrepreneur, and and and, and as she's growing her business, anything that she needs from almost like a like in a helpful mentoring standpoint, uh, mm -hmm. that's, uh, that's what I like doing. And they certainly yeah, reach out to me and I'll be happy to follow back up. So that's great. That's great. And you'll have to send me all that stuff so I can drop it in the show notes. I will reach it all. So good. So let's end on, um, a note. I always like to ask, uh, people if they have a personal mantra or a personal motto that they repeat sometimes to kind of you know, snap them out of their, their own personal head trash or whatever. Do you have anything that you kind of repeat to yourself that are words of wisdom? Boy, that's a, that's a, that's a great question. Put me right on the spot here. <laughs> I know, my mind here. Thanks on that. Uh, I, well, I'll throw this one at you. Uh, it's, it's, and I'm, uh, I'm a, a big, big music fan. Okay. I've, I've worked in the music industry for a long time. And you it, talk about that. yeah, it's, it's just a big part of how even uh, my, how I you know facilitate, but I, I'm reminded of a, of a John Lennon quote. 
Okay. okay. That he said, life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. Yes. Yes. What song is that from? It's from a slower song. Is it from Beautiful Boy? It's from it Beautiful Boy. It might be Beautiful Boy. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. 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 You know, and it's I like, it just says so much. Song. Yeah. When my boys are really tired in the car, I yeah. put that song on and they like just drift off to sleep. There oh, you, you are so right. Yeah. Life is that one happens. still stops me in my tracks. It's so yeah. Yeah, I like I so, so yeah, we're always thinking about what am I gonna do next? What am I gonna do next? What am I gonna do next? You don't want to forget what you're doing right now. What are you doing right now? What's happening today? You know, and then because well, that's life. It's so true. It's so true. And I'm so happy that I had this gift of time to virtually be with you in completely different locations. And um, you know, you really lifted my soul today and brightened my heart. So thank you. Thank you for being right. here. Thank you. Well, thanks. Thanks for thinking of me. And I appreciate it. And hopefully we can, we can, you know, keep talking and anybody wants to talk more, let, let me know. Absolutely. I'll talk to you soon, Dino. Thanks so much. Thanks, Matt. Wow. What an episode. Did you learn something new? I hope so. I am so happy you were able to be here with us today. I'd love to hear from you. Leave me a review and I will be sure to read it and respond to you. Also, if you'd like to email me, my email address is urock at iEvolveConsulting.com. Hit subscribe and every Tuesday you'll get notification when the next episode drops. We really have some amazing interviews and tips in the future. Anything you need, I'm here for you. I want you to keep your momentum. I want to help you stay accountable. I want you to stay inspired. I want you to evolve. So please let me know what you need and I'd love to hear from you. Take care until next time.